Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Exodus? The book of Exodus. Uh, today we begin a series on the book of Exodus, which is the second book the Bible, how many of you knew that it was the second book in the Bible? All right, good. <laughs> that should make it easy enough for you to find it uh, this morning. So this morning we're starting a series on the book of Exodus. It's also the second book of what we call the Pentateuch. Now the Pentateuch, the five books were, which were written by Moses that constitute the Torah, um, the uh, what Jesus and uh, others in the, in the New Testament would have referenced as the law. And in fact, the Hebrew, the Hebrew scriptures are divided into uh, three parts. Um, but the, the Hebrew scriptures, which is what we call the Old Testament, divided into three parts. Number one, the Torah, the law, or the Pentateuch, the prophets, and the writings. And so I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 1. And uh, we may not proceed verse by verse through the book of Exodus during this series as we did through the book of Acts because, uh, well, there's, there's sections in the book of Exodus that contain, uh, well, granular, detailed information, as it were, about sacrifices and about rules and regulations of worship in the Old Covenant. But what we are going to do this morning, we're going to read at least the first uh, the first 14 verses of Exodus chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles open, would you follow along as I read in Exodus chapter 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens, they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field and in all their work, they ruthlessly made them to work as slaves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word this morning. We believe that, Lord, it is, it is the inspired revelation of yourself to us. So, God, we pray that you'd please give us ears to hear what you're saying to us through 
this portion of Scripture that we've read this morning. God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach with conviction and with authority. Send, God, your Holy Spirit to convince and to convict us. Lord, bend our hearts toward you. Bind any hindrance, God, and accomplish your good and your perfect will here today. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. In, actually, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in uh, the Hebrew Bible, uh, the name of this book is actually Names. Names. And that's taken from uh, the opening line there. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. The title that we use, of course, is is Exodus, which was the title that was given to this book in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures that was already in popular use during the time of Jesus Christ, uh, mostly because most Jews, interestingly enough, most Jews couldn't read Hebrew. And so most of them read the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures called the Septuagint. And the title of this book in the Septuagint was uh, is. Exodus. And the word Exodus means a way out. A way out. Now, if you're already familiar with this book, which I know that most of you are, many of, uh, of you would already be familiar with this book, you know how the book got its name because Exodus tells the story of Israel's deliverance and their departure from, from Egypt, where they had remained uh, in Egypt since Jacob had moved his family to Egypt during a severe famine. And the first four verses of this chapter remind us of those who came to Egypt with Jacob, uh, their father, his 11 sons, 11 of his sons, and their households. Joseph, the Bible tells us, was, and we know was already, who was Jacob's son, was already in Egypt at that time. He had been sold into slavery by his brothers, but through the providential will of God, Joseph rose in Egypt to a position of authority, and he actually was instrumental in saving Jacob and saving uh, his brothers, and many others for that matter uh, as well. He saved them from starvation and from extinction. And verse number five says that all of the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. But then, um, verse 6 adds this information. Then Joseph died, and then his, all of his brothers died, and then all of that generation died. So Joseph died, his brothers died, all of that generation died. Those 70 that had come to Egypt, all of them died. And that's, that's important information because... That was the last generation that had lived in and who had known the promised land, the land that God had promised to their father, uh, Abraham. God had promised the land of Canaan to Abraham, had shown it to him, and they had lived in the promised land. And that generation that died out in Egypt was the last generation that had lived in and had experienced and had known uh, the promised land. Not only had that uh, generation or this generation that is now currently 
in Egypt when, during the book of Exodus. Not only had they lost their grandfathers and their fathers, but they had also lost their connection to the memories of God's promise. Uh, Egypt was the only home that this generation of Hebrews had ever known. And, and that's significant. That's important. Egypt was the only home that they had ever known. It has been said that it only takes three generations to forget an experience or to erase a memory or to, or to lose a tradition. Just three generations to lose a memory, to forget about an experience. Ronald Reagan famously said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Now, that's, a, that's an important reminder to us of how quickly you can lose something that is, that is valuable to you, an experience that is important, a memory that uh, is valuable. And these opening verses of Exodus illustrate how the otherwise passive factors of time and distance can eventually, if you're not careful, time and distance can eventually separate you from an experience or a knowledge that is fundamental uh, to, to your identity. For example, listen, if, if you are not spending time with God, then can I tell you this morning that your time away from God is putting distance between you and Him. If you're not if you're not consistently spending time with God, then you are putting distance between you and, and him. Your experience, if you're not careful, your experience will begin to recede. Your memory will begin to, to fade. Your affections will begin to wane. And soon, if you're not careful, soon you'll become more accustomed to the place where you are than desirous of the place where you ought to be. You'll become comfortable with where you are instead of desiring where you ought uh, to be. Well, um, that's an important thing for us to remember. And parents, listen, this can affect your children as well. Uh, what the first generation experiences, the second generation remembers but what the second generation only remembers, the third generation may completely forget. And, and if your faith is not fresh, then your children may forget. And if, if your children forget, then your grandchildren may be forfeit. They may not, they may not have an experience at all. That's why, parents, um, I believe you should think hard about uh, keeping your kids out of church. I'm not saying that you have to be at church every time the doors are open, although that's what some of our parents did and it turned out okay for us, right? <laughs> so I'm not saying that you necessarily have to be at church every time the doors are open, but I am saying this, the more distance you create from the things of God, the more space you allow for the things of the world. And we have to be mindful of that. And you have to be mindful of what consequences that can have in your life and 
in the life of future generations. By this time in the book of Exodus, all of the Hebrews in Egypt had been born in the land of Egypt. Egypt was their home. And the Bible says that God blessed them there, that they were blessed there in Egypt. Verse 7 says that they, they were fruitful and they multiplied and they grew uh, exceedingly strong. But here's the thing, but they were not Egyptians. They were not Egyptians. They were descendants of Abraham. They were children of promise. They were not supposed to stay in, in Egypt. They had been called to Canaan. And, and Exodus is the story of how God brought them out of Egypt and set them on their way to the promised land. Out of bondage and to the place where God had called them. Um, it was not, and it was not an easy tale, as we'll see as we go through the book of Exodus. It's a story that is filled with danger. It's a story that is filled with death. And it's a story that is filled with drama. Lots and lots of drama. In fact, what made it so difficult is, is actually it was not what was required to get the Hebrews out of Egypt. God delivered the Hebrews with his mighty hand. So what makes the story so difficult is not what was required to get the Hebrews out of Egypt, but actually what was required to get Egypt out of the Hebrews, to get Egypt out of, out of their hearts. Because you see, as it turns out, the blessings that Jacob's descendants, the blessings that Israel experienced while they were there in Egypt, those blessings often became a hindrance in their journey to the promised land. Occasionally, as, as they made their way back to the land that God had promised to them, occasionally they would long to return to the, to the relative comfort and the pleasures of Egypt. They would say, oh, we just, if we could just go back to Egypt and enjoy the the leeks and the onions that we had there. At least there we had good food. And so often they would long to return to Egypt. And, and now that seems strange to us considering how, how the Bible here describes their captivity in verses 11 through 14. It says that they were slaves. That while they were in Egypt, they were afflicted with heavy burdens. They were ruthlessly oppressed by the Egyptians and their lives were made bitter with hard service to their, to their masters. Nevertheless, we, we've got to remember this was, Egypt was all that they had known. This was, this was all that they had ever known. The generation that had known the possibilities of freedom, the generation that had known the promises of God, that generation was gone. And now this generation was left to labor under the heavy hand of a, of a tyrant who did not regard God and who did not remember, much less care, about, about who Joseph was. And these Hebrew children that the book of Exodus is written about, these Hebrew children were in bondage to a, to a system that was so pervasive a system that was so inescapable that they had actually accepted it as their destiny 
and, and they had embraced it as their identity. They believed that, that they were slaves. The Egyptians had made them into slaves, but how many knows that's not what they were created to be? They were children of promise. They were sons and daughters of Abraham, children of promise, called to be free. But they had forgotten that. They had accepted the fact that they were slaves. They, they may have forgotten that they were called to be free, but thankfully, God did not forget. God did not forget his people. How many knows he is faithful? Amen. He will always do what he has promised to do. So God is faithful, and in the book of Exodus, he was about to lead his children out of Egypt and lead them into the promised land. And in the same way, God, uh, in the same way as Paul says to us in the book of Galatians, brothers and sisters, we are not children of slavery. Look at your neighbor and say, we are not children of slavery. We are free. Jesus Christ has paid the price for us so that we might live free. So brothers and sisters, we are not children of slavery. We are children of promise. In fact, listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 5. He says, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, the book of Exodus is at the, is at the heart of the story of, of God's salvation because it illustrates for us how God chooses a people for himself and how God leads them out of bondage and, and into freedom. I'm, I'm drawn to the story of Exodus because it is a story of a powerful, redeeming God who never gives up on his children. Aren't you glad that he never gives up on us? It's a story of how God never gives up on his children. He remains faithful even, even when we are sometimes unfaithful. So Exodus is it's, um, Israel's story. But Exodus is also my story. And Exodus is your story also. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Peter says this to us as believers. He says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Aren't you thankful that God has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light? 
that we who were once not a people, now we are God's people. We who once were slaves, now we are free. And God is leading us out of our former bondage and into the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give to us. If you are a child of God, then you have been called out of darkness. You've been called out of that former way of living. You have been called out of your sin and out of your slavery, and you have been called into the marvelous light of God's kingdom. You've been called away from your former way of life. You've been called out of the world, and yet the world continues to exert its influence on us, doesn't it? Because we're surrounded by the culture, because we're surrounded by the world, the world is always trying to pull us back in and make us conform to its, to its uh, nature. But friends, we are not children of slavery. We are children of promise, amen? And God is taking us out of that bondage and is leading us into the freedom that belongs to us. The world attempts to force its agenda upon us. And if we're not careful, the blessings and the prosperity that we have as Christians, as children of God, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll hold on too tightly to those things. We'll fall in love with those things, and they will, they will keep us from the promises that God has for our life. In fact, the Bible warns us about being friends with the world. How many knows we are in the world, but we are not of the world because we have been called out of the world. Thank God, we who once were slaves, formerly slaves to uh, the world, slaves to our own sin and uh, slaves to our own nature, no longer are we slaves. Jesus Christ has set us free. We've been called out. We've been made free, but, but we have to learn how to stand in the freedom that we have received through Jesus Christ. So through the book of Exodus, we'll be touching on those things again and again, how God leads us out of bondage, how he delivers us from bondage, how he delivers us from the mindset of slavery and, and makes us into those children of promise. How throughout this series, we'll, we'll talk about and we'll learn about the freedom that we have received through Jesus Christ and We'll learn how not to let the world dictate our actions and determine our identity because Jesus Christ has, has set us free. And along the way, we'll, we'll discover that Exodus is a book of types and, and shadows. That in it and through it, God illustrates the gospel message to each and every one of us um, and to those who have not yet experienced the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. For instance, I mentioned the fact that all of those Hebrews that were in Egypt at that time were born into Egypt. Egypt was the only thing that they, that they knew. That was their home. Well, that's an illustration for us how each and every one of us, we are born into sin. Every one of us, born into sin. That is our, that is our nature. And just like those Hebrews who were not able to extricate themselves from, um, from Egypt by themselves, we cannot set ourselves free from sin. God has to take the initiative, and God has 
taken the initiative. And God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to lead us out of Egypt, out of our former sin, and into a new relationship with God. You know, before you, were a, before you knew Christ, you didn't even know that you were a slave. There's, there's many people today that they're prospering and they're doing well and they don't even recognize the fact that they're slaves to sin, slaves to, to the world. We know that because we've experienced the freedom that only comes through Jesus Christ. But whatever the label that the world tries to put uh, on, on you, then I believe this. I believe God says you can be a child of God. So you may be here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you've accepted the label of whatever the world has tried to put on you, and I'm telling you this morning, <laughs> whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.